podcast with kevin and dane i'm dane and i'm kevin take two (laughs) (laughs) right we're back from a week-long break um and today we are talking about the difference between highbrow and lowbrow art but before that kevin you are introing a new opening segment that's going to be a recurring segment it is and I don't know, like, what the title of it will actually be. Workshopping the title. Yeah, but it's basically the worst, probably the dumbest lines ever uttered by respected rappers. Which is a, an amazing <laughs> idea. And so, really what, I mean, I've been thinking about, I've been thinking about this for a couple weeks now. Um, and really what sparked it was a line from Prodigy, rest in peace to Prodigy. Well, so before you say the line, were you just listening to Prodigy? Just, yeah, well, yeah, I was listening. It's actually a song with, um, it's actually a song with him and the alchemist and the game. Mm. And so it's off, uh, first infantry. This came out in like, Oh four. Yeah. I think something like that. And so. Yeah, the song is called uh, Dead Bodies. Mm. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but anyway, so Prodigy's line that is just like egregious is, I'm going to stay alive till the day I die. <laughs> Wait. I, I know I told you another one. I'm saving that one for next week. This one in particular because I just listened to this song. He says, and let me repeat it, I'm going to stay alive till the day I die. Big facts. Is that just not how it works? <laughs> <laughs> no, metaphorical reading. He's going to be alive until he dies. That is... Bars go over that your That is the worst shit. Yo, you know what is you know what makes shit like that so funny? It's the redundancy of it. It's right. so, or not I don't know. The other one you were telling me was mad redundant. I won't mm, I won't leak that one. But no, no. Yo, but you're gonna be ganging up on like prodigy. <laughs> I, that's why I don't want to do I'm I'm trying to find another one for next week. So I'm I mad. was that's hilarious. I'm gonna stay alive until, until the, the day, day I, I die. <laughs> <laughs> The more I, you say it, the funnier of us Bro, I laughed at that shit all day. Like I, I called, like I, I had to call my brother. I had to, I literally had to call my brother, and I told him I was like, "Look, because me and him, the other the other prodigy line, me and him have been saying that shit for years. Oh, that's like, like a we've family been, joke. yeah." And so I said, "Look, he has another one." And he was like, "What is it? What is it?" And when I dropped the line, like he just started. Dying. That is so fucking funny. Oh my <laughs> god. 
So yeah, we'll be doing that on a weekly basis. You know what'll be dope is like getting cats to like send shit in, like suggestions. Yeah. I was, once you told me the idea, I started listening. I was like, fuck, who has... Who has some stupid... Really? You know what? I was listening to... Jadakiss is amazing, but he has some questionable bars. Oh, everybody does. Everyone who... I think it's especially the cats who are like the punchline cats. Yes. They are... It's like... It's like, you know fucking batters in in the MLB like right. you, there's going to be a certain percentage right. that just don't land right i w- okay so actually you know what i don't uh, you have one i have one. it's it's a tentative one and it's and it's germane it's 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 fitting because of how much i was gassing pusha t up last conversation mm-hmm. and but pusha t has some questionable moments and I was listening to the new Benny the Butcher project, uh-huh. and there's a song called 18 Wheeler, which features Pusha T. <laughs> is it some, is it some, not, is it some drug talk? It's, it's, it's about, it, the line itself is not about, is not drug talk. And I don't know, it, it does not, it pales in comparison to the <laughs> It really does. <laughs> this is just six picks, same brick, something weird though. They say a hero's nothing but a sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) That's the line. They say a hero's nothing but a sandwich. Which, do they say that? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know who says that, but a hero is a sandwich. Well, I mean... They say a hero's nothing but a sandwich. But a sandwich. I don't know, Pusha. And that's probably not even the most questionable of some of the, you know, the catalog of questionable Pusha lines. Uh, bro, I'm I'm gonna be coming out with shit from Cameron. Fucking, I got all kind of shit, bro. But you know what? Actually, thinking about this, like interrogating it a little bit, it sort of makes you question, like, what what is a good bar? It's like you know, sometimes when you you're in one of those weird states where you're like, what is good? What is the difference between something that's really good? Like when you, you know when you can't tell if something is like, is this really really good? I mean, kind of goes to what we're gonna be talking about. Like, is this really really fire or is this really really bad? I get that a lot with mm. acting, with when, with like actors and shit. I'm like, this is either really good. Well, I mean, I guess like I'm more so like in the gray because I don't know if I'm like if it's you know, I don't know if it's either or. And I think most shit is in the gray. I think we just sort of like pick out shit based on whatever sort of like trendy preference, you know, like some music. It may just be like, okay, this is the sound that's popping right now. So we fucking with this. It's it's not that it's really that good or it's really that bad. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I, I do that with acting with, with actors too. Yeah. Though. Um, Denzel is one. Like mm, Denzel is. I fuck with Denzel, so, like, don't get me wrong. But Denzel is literally the same. Like, it's, when he played Frank Lucas, it was uh, Denzel, no, Frank Lucas as Denzel Washington. Right, yeah. Like, he's, he's so Denzel. He, yeah. He can't caricature of himself at some <laughs> Yes. Point. Like, OD. Like, fucking Training Day is just 
the evil Denzel. Like, yeah. it's literally just like, what, how do you want to slice it? That, yeah, that, like now, now watching that movie in 2019, it's like, it's like that movie is a meme of Denzel. Exactly. As that character. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Denzel has, he, no, I mean, Denzel is amazing. Also, he went to the same school as me, Fordham, Lincoln Center. Like, mm. um, so I love Denzel, but um, he has some subtle performances. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's he's a heavy ass actor. Yeah. He's, he's fire. But um, okay, so a couple little thing, a couple little mini opening segment segments. Mm, I was thinking about this. In our second episode, mm-hmm. we had a hard hitting discussion of racial politics in the context of food in the apartment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I somehow went back to that because. I don't know. I was just like putting some wh- some shit away in the cupboard, and I was thinking about it. And my roommates and I had this debate: mm-hmm. what condiments go in the fridge? Because there are some serious racial divides here. Hmm. For example, I put ketchup in the fridge and hot sauce if it's been opened. This was met with serious, serious pushback from my from my roommates who are not Caucasian. Right. I don't do the hot sauce. Hot sauce goes for you where? Fridge or cupboard? Cupboard. Hot sauce. So- open hot sauce goes in cupboard. This- yes. Ketchup. I can do either or. Either or. So it's like a mood thing. Or it's like I'll just throw it in the cupboard. Okay. Yeah. What it depends about- on how much. Like for me, it depends on like how big of a sort of situation of ketchup it is real okay like if it's a smaller one i'll probably just put it in the, see the fact that the it's even you're, you're sort of ambil, ambivalent about it is crazy to me always <laughs> ketchup hot go in the fridge mm-hmm. um what about mayo i don't fuck with mayo well this this harkens back to the original conversation <laughs> i i don't touch mayo. mustard mustard is in the refrigerator mustard goes in the fridge what about fruit Depends on what fruit. Bananas, I leave bananas out. Bananas can stay room temp. What about um, apples? If you buy if you buy a bag of apples at the grocery store, my apples are in the in the fridge. They go in the fridge. Yeah. I think I that was sort of a learned behavior for me. I think for the most of my life they were just in on the countertop. Mm-hmm. But yeah, now I'm thinking apples. Yeah. They belong in the fridge. Yeah. Um. All right, that's it. we're solving racial politics and I have one other thing and again this goes back to I really don't want to turn this opening segment into like a just Dane can have little diatribes like Dane's fucking column but okay so I was in Miami and was at Urban Outfitters shopping for like a a button down shirt so I could wear to work a short sleeve button down shirt that I could wear to work Okay, and there I grab the shirt that works. I'm waiting in line, and there are these. There's this group of Italian tourists that mm-hmm. were shopping up in the men's section with me. They kind of like sort of followed us down, and they got so in waiting in line. There's one line and two cashiers. Mm-hmm. There's one line, not two. Mm-hmm. It may it could have looked like there were two lines because the partition, because the way the partition was, like you could have conceivably been lining up for two separate lines, but it was one line, two registers. These Italian tourists did not know that. So I was next in line. The, the person paying at the register leaves. The register opens up. 
woman's like, next, please. And these Italian tourists pull up to the register. Now I go, yo, 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 guys, like, no, no, I'm, I've been waiting in line. It's, it's one line. It's one line in the back. They have no, they're like, oh, okay, sorry, I didn't know. They go to the back. I go up to my cashier. The woman behind me goes to the next cashier. And she says purposefully loud so I could hear, wow, some customers are super bitchy, aren't they? (laughs) And at first, I thought maybe she was talking about the Italian tourists. But no, she continued on to explain to the cashier, her cashier, how you can't really control that type of thing so... I don't understand why anyone would say something and people are just so uptight and bitchy these days. And so naturally I got insanely mad Mm -hmm. and I was like, they cut you too. (laughs) They cut you too. What the fuck? In my head, I was like, okay, so next time you're in the grocery store, I'm just going to pull up and just cut in front of you and you can't say shit because like what? And also the, the people behind the register didn't even hold me down. I said to my register person, like, yo, is it crazy that I said something? Like, I wasn't rude about it. I was just like, yo, no, 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 go to the back of the line. Like, like am I, is that crazy? No. No, I, 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 I agree. And, I, I would have done the, the same the, thing. The most stereo, if, if you think of a cashier girl working at Urban Outfitters, this was, this was her. She, like, had the square glasses, and, like, she was just, like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Like, I was, like, thank you for holding me down. She, they, they broke your rules. Why am I the enforcer, and why is the person who's calling out the rule breakers getting in more trouble than the actual rule breaker? Because you're a cisgender white male. The, the, the fucking <laughs> woman that got mad was a cisgendered white lady. Stop Stop being so bitchy. Yeah, I'm bitchy. All right, so that's my... <laughs> that, that's my rant. All right. Anything? You got anything? Uh, about you being bitchy? No, I, I mean, it could, oh, it just could in, be or anything in general. Just, just in general. Oh, opening your, segment. Your bitchiness in general. Oh, yeah, my, yeah, my bitchiness in general. Oh, uh, no, I'm good. <laughs> it's like between that and the thing I talked about last week with the dude at the gym, like... Yeah. I feel like Larry David out here all of a sudden. You got to start pressing people. I think they (laughs) think they can try you. Seriously. (laughs) All right. When we come back, we are talking about the distinction between high art and low art. Mm. All right. When we get back. Okay, 
Welcome back to the Now That You Mentioned It podcast. At this moment, we would like to inform you that we have social media accounts dedicated to the podcast, which we would like to invite you to follow. We keep, we try to keep a good, solid presence on Instagram, and then it's always like a delayed reaction on Twitter because I forget we have a Twitter. Where I'm like, oh shit, I gotta post, I gotta post it on Twitter too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, still, still need the the social media clout. I know the Insta fame to validate us. The Insta clout. Yeah. That'd be good. Yeah. So yeah, it's all all the all the social media accounts are at ntymipod, um, but I think in our hierarchy of concerns, I personally am more concerned about rate us. Right. According to the metrics, we have hu- hundreds of people have listened. Right. And yet, we don't have hundreds of reviews. Yeah. But the the effort cost of simply giving us a five star rating is it, I don't think it's that big of an ask. No, you could do it while you're listening. It's just a click, just a just a thumb. Mm. Demonstrate it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, yeah. And our email is at ntymypod. Yeah, all our social at ntymypod. Rate us, review us, all that shit. Okay. Um, today we are talking about high art versus low art. How did this idea come up? Um, wasn't it, didn't it like kind of grow out of the last episode? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Talking about Freddie Gibbs and MF Doom and... Exactly. If they're, I think we both consider them to be like the high art of rappers. Yeah, and then I'm going to kind of challenge the MF Doom shit to an extent. Okay, well... So I've got some notes on this paper. So the paper we used to ground this conversation is a paper called High Art versus Low Art by a philosopher named John A. Fisher. And he actually doesn't lay out any of his own arguments, really. He's sort of just laying the groundwork in terms of where the conversation is. Right. So... He starts out by asking the question, which I would, I would hope that we can answer at some point in this podcast. What is the distinction between high art and low art? Prior to reading this, or, or where are you at in terms of what is the distinction between high art and low art? Mm, it depends. It depends on what type of art we're talking about. <laughs> Shit, so you're already on... <laughs> I'm just saying. Jedi master mode. Yeah, that's... That's the first question. It's like, what are we talking about? Are we talking about, like, fine art? Like, painting? Are we talking about hip-hop? All right, so maybe we can work our way up to that. So, John A. Fisher asked this question, what is the distinction between high art and low art? Another way of asking that question would be, is the distinction even real? Are are the categories high art and low art real things? Um, Is there really such a thing as high art? And if so, is it really different from low art? So, Fisher writes... In spite of being controversial and frequently rejected as undemocratic or elitist, the distinction remains deeply entrenched and a very influential way of structuring our thinking and acting towards the art, the arts. The very ease with which writers can mention high art and highbrow, middlebrow, and lowbrow art and expect to be clearly understood shows how firmly entrenched this distinction is in in the conceptual scheme we apply to the art. So basically what he's saying is that when we say the words, so there are cats that say these terms are meaningless, right? Mm. But according to Fisher, and I think he's totally right, when we say the words, 
high art, low art, when we say the phrases, they actually mean something to us. We, we tap into a meaning, so they're not semantically empty. So they do have some kind of meaning. So it's like, okay, so what do they mean? There's one school of thought that attempts to define high art as just anything done in the so-called high art. So they're defining high art in just in terms of genres. Right. So like something is high art if it is a piece of work in a certain genre. And like this is, um, you can think about like classical music, sculpture, poetry. These are things typically coded as high art. And this goes back, there are examples of this type of thinking throughout history and across different, it's not actually just a Western thing. I was kind of surprised to learn. But like Da Vinci, for example, Western, but Da Vinci argued that painting was the highest, most noble of all the art forms, like superior to poetry and music and sculpture. So there's this hierarchy thing going on. And in this definition of high art, you can think of it as binary, right? Something either is high art or something is low, low art. Like if it's like sculpture is high, soap operas are low. Classical music is high art, pop music is low. Right. Simple, right? But um, there are problems with that. You you wanna you wanna hop in? Oh no no no! You, I, I want you to do the get through the overview. Okay first. okay 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 okay. So one problem is that it's it's pretty easy to see that there are certain attributes of art that identify them as either high or low that don't correspond with the binary genre form. Something either is high or something is low. So complexity, for example, is an attribute of art that is typically associated with high art. But you can, think of, you can think of pieces of work created in a genre typically coded low, like a cartoon, for example, that are very complex. Like, I'm, I don't know, like South Park has really biting and smart social commentary. Mm. So that sort of pokes a hole in the idea that high art just refers to certain genres and low art just refers to certain genres. So, yeah, we're moving away from classifying um, art as high or low just based on genre. So then it's like, okay, so how do we classify art? By their attributes. So the features of the art itself determine where it lands. In the, this is not binary. It's more of a spectrum. Mm. The features of the art itself determines where it lands in the high to low spectrum. Another quote that I thought was pretty fire. The concept of high art appears to be a category that identifies member artworks by their assumed possession of, or actual possession of some of a cluster of properties. These properties often come in degrees. This helps to explain why the high to low hierarchy is actually continuous rather than binary. A given work may have a mixture of properties in the high art cluster, which explains the emergence of the category of middlebrow, works that have some of the properties of high art, but also lack some of them, or possess some of the properties that positively weigh towards the lower end of the scale, and so on and so forth, end, end quote. Um, Okay, so what are the properties that make something high art? What do you think? Um, Fisher lays out a few of them, but I, I just wonder if you're in, like, if our intuitions like match up. Yeah, with, it it definitely, I think, has to put you in some type of like contemplative state for it to be high art. Right. Yeah. So that's that's number one. Um, I don't want to, I really don't want to answer it yet because of where I'm coming from with, with like my, uh, the other end of what I have to say. So, okay. Yeah. So I feel like my intuitions totally, I don't know, out me as a fucking elitist when it comes to this, this art shit. So Fisher lays out a list of qualities that can count towards something being considered high art 
or on the other hand, like the absence of these qualities that he lays out may count towards something being labeled low art. So these qualities are the content of the art, mm -hmm. which he says are typically morally serious. They're aiming to express some kind of truth. They express genuine, authentic emotional experience. In other words, the content of the art is not shallow, conventional, or sentimental. Also, form he identifies as a feature of high art. Form, in this case, would be like if, if it's unified into a whole work, if it's coherent but not formulaic, if it works. Mm -hmm. um, also, features of the works, creation or creator factor into whether or not it's high. If it's created by a single artist or a group under the direction of a central figure, um, the creator has skill, knowledge of the art form, and knowledge of the relevant artistic tradition and intends to continue to that, contribute to that tradition, excuse me, which I think is pretty interesting. And yeah, that's where I'm, that's where I'm like headed with mine. Okay, cool. And then one of the other ones, one of the other properties of high art, the nature of their intended effects intended to engage the intellect, mm -hmm. which is yeah. also, I think, fairly intuitive. Um, do, you, do you object to any of those? Not outright, no. Yeah. Okay, so after that, it's like, okay, so now what qualifies something as low art? And this is where it gets kind of fire. Fisher writes, if a popular artwork's main goal is entertainment, to provide diversion and easy pleasure not involving any significant intellectual or perceptual demands, then it is one, not autonomous, and two, its paramount focus does not involve the aesthetic and content goals ascribed to high art. So if an artwork's main goal is to entertain, then it, the artwork can't be autonomous because the creator of the art is like doing some calculus in their head of like, what do people like? I'm gonna do that. So it's like not, you can't really see it as an autonomous piece of art. I totally agree with that. And mad of my friends totally disagree with that shit, especially when it comes to TV and shit. Yeah, I mean, the only reason that I, I guess like I don't totally agree with that is it just depends on the sort of overall intent of the art. So like even if it's entertaining, right? Like if you're, let's say that you create, you, you're trying to get a, a particular message out in your art, but you sort of use whatever the popular mode of art is at that particular time as the vehicle through which you get your message across because it's like I think about like if if somebody if somebody you know I guess did like a a conscious rap song right but like it sort of was aesthetically you know the sort of uh coming out during that like trap trend or whatever right yeah it would be like okay obviously this is meant for cats to hear it initially and be like oh i fuck with it because it's just it's something that i can bounce to it's something that's entertaining whatever whatever before it's like okay now i'm listening to what cat what that whatever the cat is saying and it's some real shit so so what are you saying in terms of the high low spectrum of so i'm just so that would probably be if anything, that would fall like in the middle brow, like yeah. by using, you know, by using the qualities of, you know, quote unquote, low art in order to sort of 
you know, get your point across to the masses. Because when you think about it, not everybody's, whatever you may deem as high art, a lot of times that's not something that's sort of engaged with on a mass level. Yeah. So it just depends on like the intent of the art in that sense, I, I would say. Yeah, I, for me, the stakes aren't that high in terms of having the conversation along the lines of high or low. It, it's more compelling to me to argue like, does the piece of art have integrity or does the creator of the piece of art have integrity or something like that? So I, I feel Fisher here because like, like the quote said and like I was saying earlier, like if the intention of the, if the main goal of the art is to entertain, then I really can't see, I almost at that point don't even see it as art because when I conceive of like the comic book movies, for example, that are so fucking popular these days, mm-hmm. It's like they're clearly the creators of this are clearly doing some kind of like calculus slash algorithmic thinking. And they're like, what do people like? What gets people in seats? What engages people? It's like it's so market tested. Okay, so I'm gonna do I'm gonna do that. And to me, it's like, okay, that's not art anymore. It may be a successful, like we call it something else, but to say that it's a viable piece of art at that point is to me, that's where I fall off. And Mm. I was having this argument Mm. with one of my close friends about, have you seen the show stranger things? No. Okay. I have only seen one episode, but I thought it was trash. And I had a friend who got really upset when I claimed that stranger things was trash And basically my friend was arguing that I should evaluate the show on its own terms. Like he was saying like, it's meant to be this campy, cheesy throwback to the 80s, like 80s pop movies. And it's not trying to be a fucking David Lee movie. It's not trying to be a Francis Truffaut movie. It's not trying to be The Sopranos. So why evaluate it as such when it's not even playing the same game as like those higher Mm -hmm. art things? And I was like, okay, I had two responses, which which I wrote down. And my first response was that just because things have different styles, it doesn't mean they're not playing the same game. And it doesn't mean that one thing can't be better than the other. Like Raymond Felton and Kyrie Irving play two different styles of basketball. They're playing the same game, and one of them is better than the other, objectively. Mm. And the second response I had was, basically my friend was saying, like, it's well-crafted in its own right. Like, see it as that. It works. And I was like, Okay, a piece of work can be well-crafted in its own right. In the case of Stranger Things or whatever, like, it can have competent storytelling, cinematography, passable acting, right? like writing that does the job of what it's trying to do. But that doesn't make it good art. It may make it like a good fucking market-tested, commercially-crafted television product, but that does not make it good art. And I feel like those things get conflated often. And I always feel like I'm the elitist because I'm like, Stranger Things is trash. And they're like, well, it's, it's not trying to be... They're almost saying like it's, like it's not trying to be good so you can't level the argument of it's bad at it type shit. Yeah, I don't agree with that. Um, I haven't seen Stranger Things. It looks like it's trash. Yeah, um, it is. Okay, so it's trash. <laughs> but um, I don't know, like... So is... High art entertaining? 
Ooh, that's a good question. Yeah, fuck yeah, it can be entertaining. It doesn't like okay, like it. It's not a. It's not a. It's not necessary for mm. something to be like. It doesn't always correspond that high art is entertaining. Like I think, okay, I don't even want to do any gray area shit. Like I was gonna say, The Sopranos or The Wire, but let's not even open it up to that. Like, um, fucking Ingmar Bergman movies are entertaining as fuck. Mm-hmm. Jim Jarmusch movies are entertaining as fuck. That's like the pinnacle. That's like high, high, high art, at least. To, to me, um, it's it's more difficult when you're talking about like visual art. I feel like I mean I wouldn't I wouldn't qualify I wouldn't say that any like painting is like entertain is it entertaining? Yeah, I don't. And so that's but see that's what I'm saying is like or that's why I'm asking is when you get into like visual culture in general is like what is the draw like and what what do we what constitutes entertainment or something being entertaining like. Mm, that's a good that's a good point. I think things can be mindlessly entertaining and that's sort of where I think how Fisher and the thinkers who agree with him go with it. Like it's appealing to really base I don't know instincts or 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 sentiments or or sensibilities. Like big flashy things and sex and you know that. all those tried and true tropes that continue to be entertaining to to, to people and mass, mm-hmm. I guess. But there's a difference between that and then watching a super super involved movie that has like a lot of dialogue and shit, right? Dialogue and plot so like, twists and turns yeah, like, and shit. Like I can be entertained by by both. Yeah. No, and I, I'm just asking because it's just like when you get into like these type of discussions, it's hard to like really tack down like what the distinction is because it like it's always some shit sort of seeping over into the into the other shit. Like it it kind of has to be like the Sopranos didn't work. You wouldn't you know, it didn't work because it wasn't entertaining. Right. So it had to like in order for it to have even reached its sort of pinnacle as high art i'm gonna say sopranos is middle, middle or route, okay or but, but it, yeah it, it but i'm just saying like just people like in general that's that's a show that you know people always like oh i like the wire better um i think i do too yeah um but yeah like whatever you consider you know this hot it it had to have some sort of entertaining quality so like at what point like is the artist compromised for you know having to try to appeal. I think it goes back to our fucking argument last week. If if the characters you've created sort of demand a, a drama in order to tell their stories or demand elements of, sh- like, I don't know, entertaining shit, then that is, I don't know, that to me is art that works. Whereas if you're just crafting characters sort of ex post facto and you're like i know i want to have a love interest mm-hmm. i know i want to have mad fight scenes or whatever then it's like are the characters really characters or are they just vehicles for you to get to all this flashy shit that's going to entertain people right you know what i mean i think it's like good writing has there's some 
writing quote that's like a good a good plot is the events of a good plot have to be inevitable but also unexpected like it has to work internally you know and i feel like so much of like the like the comic book movies it's like they're just they're just trying to get to the shit however they can mm-hmm. and it's like i mean the in this article in this paper the word populism was was used a lot i feel like it's just that's what it is yeah okay fair enough no I, i'm just i'm just asking <laughs> okay so another criterion is cri- criterion is the singular of criteria right okay yeah. so another criterion for high art that fisher cites is the intended effects of the high art so it goes to like what you were saying about intention so he writes another important feature tending to lower artistic status involves the prominent bodily effects popular arts often intend to have on their audience basically what he's saying is when the primary aim of art is to create basic bodily responses like dancing singing along screaming and laughing it tends to correlate with classification as lower art. Uh, Here, okay, one other quote before we get to our reaction. He writes, humor and jokes are also largely relegated to lower artistic status because they evoke immediate physical reactions, laughing or smiling, that seem to bypass conscious reasoning. That's where I fall off. What what do you think about that? I fell off when he said the... The bodily response, and right? Stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I um, meant the whole, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, and I guess like for me, like looking at it, like historically, right? From, um, just like that, the, a sort of black cultural tradition perspective, right? When you talk about like music, for instance, um, you go back to slavery with the drum, the call and response, like the fact that this art, you know, it was, it was, it's art. It's, it's, it's sort of communal thing. And it is, you know, physical as well as intellectual in that sense, like the same Negro spirituals that, you know, people were singing and sort of expressing spirituality through, or also like, you know, coded escape routes and shit like that. Right. To where it's like, I think in that, in that longstanding tradition, like there's always been like a concern with with sort of social commentary and then but it's also been like this physical sort of you know it has to appeal to the physical like i think that's privileged within that tradition right whereas yeah whereas when you look at it you know from another perspective then yeah maybe you don't you don't privilege the the bodily response in the same way yeah it seems that and i think that the author of this article, John Fisher, I don't think he was planting, I don't think he was no, yeah, 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 his yeah. position. I yeah. think he was just saying like, yeah. that's what, that's the argument that's sometimes yeah. made. And it seems like that's an, arb- yeah, like you were saying, like privileging certain things over other things. And it's like, that's very arbitrary to me. Yeah. Like, even though the argument, immediate physical reactions that seem to bypass conscious reasoning, it's like, Okay, but why does that make it lower? Right. Why does that make it lower? Right. And because then you can still be like, especially like with the with the comedy shit, right? Like jokes, jokes have like jokes are like earthquakes in a sense. Like it's the initial shit, like your initial reaction to it, the laugh and everything like that is that initial shake. But then like 
if it's a good joke, if it's some Dave Chappelle, you know, social commentary shit, then it's going to be an aftershock. There's going to be like that post joke, aha, like, oh shit, he just fucking said X, Y, and Z about, you know, our society. And you didn't, yeah, you maybe didn't get that initially because you, you were just laughing at the punchline. Yeah. But I think, you know, affording, affording the art that aftershock, you know, the time for that aftershock. So comedy, I, I definitely think comedy is like when it's done, you know, to a high standard is high art. Yeah. Richard Pryor is high art. Yeah. Thing, you know? I think that this argument makes a basic mistake, which is that it treats um, engaging the intellect and engaging, engaging bodily responses as two mutually exclusive things, which right. I don't think they are. So, like, going to music, like, West African rhythm, like, the, the rhythmic elements that created jazz... Mm-hmm are insanely complicated right. to the point where when you had like the European cats like studying West African music in their weird like in their weird racist way that they would do mm-hmm. that in like the 1800s and 1700s that even those like musicologists were like the complexity of this like I, I don't have the notation the, the Western musical notation mm-hmm. to transcribe what's happening in right. like a drum, like right. like a West African drum circle right. in terms of like all the crazy different claves and the way the rhythms stack and interlock exactly. and shit, and so it's like it's incredibly that's a clear example where that, a counterexample to this idea that um, the intellectual engagement and bodily engagement are mutually exclusive, right. like where it's insanely complex, but it's in, it's also intended to uh, engage a bodily response. Right. And I also think about like like weird complicated electronic music like fucking Aphex Twin and shit like that mm-hmm. that you like you're like bop into that but it's also the rhythms are insanely right. complicated right and I mean and jazz too as a whole like of course so yeah I totally disagree with that it seems like ar- totally arbitrary that if you're engaging like yeah. bodily response then it's immediately low I don't know that seems like this was written I don't know when this article was written but it, yeah, that bro, seems I like couldn't, yeah I, I think it's, I think it's a part of a of an anthology yeah so I when I found the article I didn't I just found the, the article itself I it seems like a bit of a dated yeah. argument to make or an antiquated argument um okay so then we get into this this discussion of is high art more valuable than low art so there are basically three different camps here there's the elitist view which is the view that high arts just are more intrinsically mm-hmm. more value, valuable. There's the populist view, which is the view that the arts of popular culture are more alive, authentic, meaningful, and on the whole, more artistically valuable for modern audiences than the arts of high culture. And then there's pluralism, the view that artworks in both popular and high art forms can have great artistic value. Where do you fall? <laughs> um, damn. I'm kind of torn, actually. Really? Kind of torn. Um, so part of me, and this is like, I guess, I hope no like graduate admissions hears this, no PhD admissions hears this, but um, because I'm proposing my research around like black popular music. And so part of me is like looking at, you know, sort of how popular music in general sort of, you know, speaks to 
a particular experience and everything, right? But the elitist in me does want to say that high art is just intrinsically more valuable. Okay, well, here's the thing. It's like, what do we mean by more valuable? Because I think I get frustrated with the cats who, and this is like a gross generalization, but I get frustrated with people who are either explicitly or sort of, I guess, implicitly making the argument that like a a movie that, like a blockbuster action movie, because mad people see it, like that shit is more meaningful than like, 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 like a fucking, that shit is what infuriates. Yeah, Yeah, no, that's, no, that's trash. Um, And it's like, so it depends on how we define valuable. Like, I don't think you can make an argument for the fact that certain pieces of art, just more care went into them, more thought went into them. They're more complicated. They're more like banging in terms of the aesthetics and shit. Like certain musicians are better than other musicians. That's why I say like the high art, I think if you just have to put a gun to my head, then what, you know sort of what I what I have in mind as high art, I would take that and say that that's intrinsically more valuable than mass-produced shit. Yeah. yeah. Well, what do you have in mind as high art? Um, I mean, jazz, of course, right? Uh, um, but if you had to give, like, a definition, like, with the necessary and sufficient... Like, what, what, do, you, what do you think is high um, art? Man, it has to be intellectually engaging. Um, it has to be aesthetically pleasing. Mm. Um, and yeah, and it has to sort of, I think, respond to the human condition. What, like, whatever that means at that particular time, right? Because that shit changes. Yeah. So I think it has to sort of be engaged with that as well Mm. so okay like and and the reason I say that is is the sort of cultural tradition that I come from right is more so geared toward like when you look at like hip hop for instance like the cat who is like OD lyrical and shit it's like yeah that's dope but if it's just like a punchline, if it's not speaking to anything, if it's not rooted in sort of any type of real commentary or anything like that, then if you just, you know, find it some like arcane way of saying, suck my dick, that's not, I mean, even though it may sound dope or something, it's not like, you know, it's not really feeding me anything. Right, okay, okay, but so what about what if a rapper is finding insanely creative and original ways to just say, not maybe not suck my dick, but I mean it could be, but I, I just don't I don't want to use such a like a an easy example, like a crass mm-hmm. example, but like what like MF Doom, like what if they're just saying some kind of shit that's like the abstract expressionism of rap that doesn't necessarily have content that you could apply to it's hard to say that mf doom's lyrics really respond to anything other than the art itself okay and so that is not high art to you no so okay 
but in, and that's that's what I'm like. That's why this this conversation like comes down to sort of like how we're positioned culturally. But what about art for the sake of art itself? So I feel like if but so then your fucking like the Occam's Kevin's fucking razor is like but your definition of high art. You're getting rid of a lot of shit. Yeah. So like because look at so like can, so can you apply so, that to so, visual art. Mm, I haven't really. I was thinking about this shit. Just music? music. Okay, let's keep it in music. Um. So, for instance, like Marvin Gaye's "What's Going On" is, you know, probably the pinnacle of high art within the Black cultural tradition. And so, coming from that perspective, I look at shit where it's like, okay, the content is dope. The shit sounds great. Like all of that shit applies. But then it's also sort of speaking to something like when it's not when it's not doing that within that cultural framework, then it, it doesn't you know, it's not constituted as high art to me. But like I understand, like from your perspective, right, most white hip hop fans enter into like that, you know, enter into the culture from that perspective of like the super lyrical, like looking at it from like that perspective of the art for art's sake because it's not necessary you aren't necessarily tied to you aren't necessarily tied to like having to look for the art to sort of amplify you know some type of voicelessness right so the fact that the music does that within that tradition if it if it follows you know all the aesthetic shit but then it's also engaged with like whatever the sort of social conditions are at that time is like paramount. Yeah, but I just wonder if you're the expect you're putting undue expectations. No, on. because no, because it's a tradition. Like it's a tradition of the art being that way. Like the the So so if if the lyrics, if the instrumentals in mm-hmm. Marvin Gaye's What's Going On mm-hmm. were the exact same, but the lyrics were altered to fucking denude them of any kind of social commentary, it it's wouldn't not be. high. It wouldn't be. So then what about, what do you do with instrumental music that doesn't have lyrics? You're ascribing but, I mean, the status well, of high art to that but based off no, of... because look at John Coltrane had a song. What, what was John Coltrane's... Um, fuck, it was... He, he composed the song right after the Alabama bombing. Mm. So that's, it's not lyrics. But the music is speaking, is responding the music was to. created in a context that was responding to, but the music itself. Okay, yeah. You can't right. tell me an, an E7 chord. Yeah, to but, nobody, but nobody's saying that. It, it is. You, you live in the context. I, I'm, not, I'm not living in some abstract type of world where I'm like looking at shit like that. I'm living the experience. So if he says that the song is made in the context of the Alabama bombing, okay. then that's what it is because that's how I experience it. I don't experience the music outside of my context. Whatever is informing my perspective is what it is, okay. regardless. So, okay. I mean, it's, it's, it's the counter argument to what I'm saying, which I'm kind of like playing devil's advocate here, is pretty easy because obviously, like you could say that jazz, bebop is like the first black nationalist movement and they were, it was a statement and we going back to what we talked about in a previous episode about the concept right. of cool and they're playing really, really advanced harmonies and rhythms not to appeal to a predominantly white mainstream culture and all this sort of thing. But I'm just saying 
there's certain shit that I consider high art that doesn't necessarily have that commentary aspect to it. But that's because your perspective is informed by something else. You're trying to make you're trying to make an objective argument about art. And you, it's not gonna, it's not gonna work. I mean, we aren't gonna come to like some conclusion where, you know, my perspective about this shit is completely altered. I understand where you're coming from and why you consider certain shit high art. If that's what you're looking for, then I understand your perspective from that. But if we're talking about my standards, my standards are informed by something else. Yeah. And so based on that, yeah, certain shit just isn't gonna cut it. What about? And look, and then also like when it comes to like social commentary, I'm not, I'm not sort of framing that completely in terms of, uh, in terms of it being like some protest, right? Like, I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. like iced tea, fucking six in the morning could be social commentary or whatever. So, or I think you're just meaning it has to have some. What I take you as meaning is it just has to have some kind of applicability to. It has to be it has to be saying something. Right. Right. Um I mean what about the what about like the black artist who shirks the responsibility? I mean, the like the social responsibility that comes with the tradition of being a black musician. Like you have this is in the news, like you have fucking hip hop pundits talking about ASAP Rocky's comments in twenty fifteen saying, I don't want none of I don't want no part of the Ferguson right. shit. I'm in Soho, I'm fucking these bitches, I don't want no part of that. Right. So then they just aren't a they aren't a part of that tradition. Like, and I think that but that's... But aren't you making the argument that just by virtue of being a part of the tradition, you just, like, just if you're a black hip-hop artist, for example, you are a part of the tradition whether you like it or not. Mm-hmm. I, n- no. So is ASAP Rocky incapable of making high art now that he has said that? Mm, that's a good question. I don't think so. Because I'm not, I'm not somebody who thinks that, you, that people are static... For, oh, for sure. So in that sense, no. Like he could come back and, and you know do some shit. But I think that that is like that is a, a different responsibility that you take on as an artist, particularly as a black artist, from that, right? Whereas you don't necessarily have to do that. You can make super dope art, but if you are attaching yourself to a particular type of tradition, then that entails certain responsibilities and that's you know like hip-hop was cre- like the the message is you know fucking social commentary like the shit started you know the shit started to you know as a as an art form to sort of amplify voices right so it's like the point the point of this shit has to sort of be if you are going to go to like the core of it then it has to like say something. This is this is really fucking interesting because I remember when I was in grad school, I read this book by do you know the author Percival Everett? He's from mm-hmm. LA. Yeah. Black novelist, super fire. He wrote this book called Erasure, which is about a black novelist who is wholly uninterested in creating work that has to do with like the the traditional right. black right. experience uh tradition and so this fictional i mean you kind of have to re- read it as autobiographical too mm-hmm. but this in the book this black novelist is increasingly frustrated because 
he's working his ass off creating some dope, high intellectual shit that has nothing to do with the black American experience. And then in the bookstores, his shit is classified as African-American lit. Mm. And so are you like, what's your reaction to that? I feel like you are one that would, based on the argument you're saying, I'm just taking this as a total vacuum. You'd be like, you're part of the tradition whether you like it or not. No, no, because he, if he's not making a deliberate, if he's making the deliberate case that I'm trying not to be a part of this tradition, then cool. Like just because you're a black, like you saying that about hip hop is specific to hip hop because mm. that is a particular genre. Like yeah, literature yeah, yeah. is fucking literature. So if you're writing a book, I mean, James Baldwin wrote Giovanni's Room. Like that's not about anybody black. And so if you are, and he purposely wrote that book to do something other than his like social commentary shit. And so if you're making that deliberate case like, where it's like, okay, I'm trying not to, you know, be a part of this tradition in that sense, then cool. Then I would put you, whatever that novel is, uh, you know, whatever sort of label, you know, in the bookstore, like if it's just American, you know, American lit or some shit like that, then fuck it. Let's put it over there or, or speculative fiction or wherever the fuck it's going to go. But what, where does it fall in terms of your definition of high low? it would depend then i would be judging that based on whatever just the literary tradition in okay. general okay yeah all right so yeah no okay i think I, I mean i think we largely agree i think the only i guess i the only cuz i don't apply see the thing is like i'm not applying my i'm not applying this this definition to literally everything yeah like i understand like if if it's but damn, like art does like sort of always sort of speak to, you know, for the most part, like always speak to like fucking Dostoevsky is like super, you know, that motherfucker was dope. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like just thinking about like it's not always it doesn't always have to like it doesn't always have to have like some type of like overt social commentary or like anything like that in terms of like protest or some right. shit. OK, I, ju- I just kind of arrived at what I'm trying to articulate about MF Doom. Isn't one of my teachers at grad school said that shit can be about race in the way that it's not about race. And so isn't it not a, a, a radical, dope, artistic statement that MF Doom is just some out there motherfucker that's, that's not I mean, he's part of the hip-hop tradition, undoubtedly, but that his content is just so abstract and sort of, like, otherworldly, isn't that just as much? It's like, yeah, I'm black, and I can do... And I'm an individual. I'm a person. So, like, these expectate... Like, I'm just making dope art, and that is a statement in a a larger context as well. Yeah, but, again, like, if he's not... He's obviously not attaching himself to that tradition of speaking about whatever the social conditions are. And so because of that, then you judge him based on just his ability. But talking about hip hop in particular, the fact that hip hop is rooted in social commentary, like I say, for instance, like 
Now this this might this might go off the rails in terms of the high low shit or whatever, but just to make the point, in terms of if art is supposed to be more like contemplative, right? Like yeah, MF Doom says some shit that's super abstract out there or whatever, and you know you like sit and chew on it for a minute and you like damn like that shit's crazy, right? But take Tupac for instance, Tupac you know is rapping and saying you know rapping about shit. And for a certain generation, for sure, he gave you the opportunity to sort of engage with vulnerability in a way that, you know, you may not necessarily be able to do in your everyday life. Now, the fact that you are able to listen to that shit and think about shit on a level that's like really contemplative about your lived experience, I think that's ultimately what the shit is about. Ultimately, fucking MF Doom is not rapping about anything. Like you have to put him in that in a particular type of context. Like, oh, the fact that he's so you know, he is such a radical departure from the tradition and all of this shit. That then you have to you know. I think in that sense, yeah, he's you know he's dope, but from a like just raw ass you know, tradition, you know, hip hop tradition, traditional perspective. I don't know if I would like say that because he's missing that key element. So what are your other, in, in terms of hip hop, then what are your other criteria for something to be high hip? Well, this was, this was a question that I wrote down for us to try to answer. Can certain, and I think we've already answered it, but can certain art forms have their own hierarchies of high and low? Yeah. I think we're both basically operating under the assumption that yes, they can. Yeah. But so what are the other, what other criteria do you have for high hip hop, low hip hop, high rap versus low rap? Um, I mean, I don't think it's, it's much different from like what we sort of just outlined about art in general. Like it has to be dope aesthetically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think the, the key thing is, like, just the social commentary element. But, but so would you say that Pac is high art, high hip-hop art? Yes, in the sense that, in that, like, in that tradition. Like, if you are, because he attached himself to that, to that tradition. But I feel like he's serving the commentary to the listener, like, pretty spoon-fed type shit. Okay. You know, it's not something I feel like with high art, we typically, and you know, I have my, by saying we typically do something, I might have already like made a sort of logical error. But I feel like with high art, you're typically like, it's something that you have to sit with, you have to interpret it, you have to digest it. Right. And that's what I, and that's exactly what I said is imagine cats who have never engaged with certain ideas just about themselves and the world around them. Mm. And if they're listening to Tupac and they're able to engage with that shit, based off of that music, I think that that's, that qualifies it as high art as opposed to something that you may sit back and, and think about or whatever. But then it's like when you listen to it again, like I think that's also something is like the, the playback quality. Like can you listen to something and, and get various meanings or get a deeper Continue meaning? Get stuff. Because if you listen to some shit where it's just like some cat is just, you know, rapping fucking words together, like as abstract and dope as it may sound, you listen to it again and it's not going to have the same impact because it doesn't mean anything. Mm, yeah. So what what about like a what about like the Wu-Tang click? Mm. 
Because mm. those were like they're that, also like some it. serious just like spaced practitioners out practitioners yeah. of the art. Form. Yes, but they the shit. Was, and I'm also thinking about like boot camp click too, like the shit was, Price and Cats. The shit was like eat like with cats, and then like with that type of shit. I think when you talk about cats who are like rapping, and it's just like a show of skill, but you you still know that like. I guess that's where you sort of privilege the artist in the biography of the artist and, and how that informs the art in a sense. So like a perfect example of just high hip hop artist Cream. Like Cream is a dope ass song. It's like speaking about the fucking conditions and shit like that. It's it's talking about society and this this uh desire toward money and shit like that. And so I think in that sense yeah, cats like that can still be considered high art within hip hop because it's root, it's still rooted in in something real. Do you can you distinguish in terms of high low an MF Doom versus a Jizza? Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> Cause when you think about woo, like especially like meth, like you think or or Raekwon, like it's really like the cats who are like talking about shit like that jizza is like fucking somewhere else yeah i don't know man that's a that's an interesting one because i also i think about with wu-tang i think about sort of how especially their second group album how inundated it was with like the the language of like the five percenters right and And that's in and that's something like in hip hop where cats hold that, you know, intellectually at least, like hold that in high regard. So you do have to sort of privilege that shit if we're talking about hip hop. Now you may say whatever you want to say about the five percenters outside of the context of hip hop, but Well I think once it enters into an artistic sphere, it's less I'm evaluating like the the teachings, the mm-hmm. written teachings of the five percenters versus once it's in an artistic work, then it's like I can evaluate the words on sort of their own terms. And it's like, what is this? It's at certain points, it's like, it's like a bunch of mixed up words and turns of phrases and shit like that. And I'm wondering what is really being said. Then you have to go research. Maybe that's the point of it. Mm, yeah, <laughs> I mean, cause like, what do you want to know? What it means, like, right when you fucking sit and think about, like, when you hear it, or like, is it supposed to make you, you know, sit back, maybe do your googles, and say, what the fuck does this mean? And well, I, no, I guess I'm saying, if at that point I'm evaluating it in term, like, in an artistic sense, not for like the meaning of the five percent or mm. teachings. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, okay. So you're just saying, like, just how it comes off aesthetically. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. Are there any... Who else do you... So, like, I, I know, like, To Pimp a Butterfly would be considered high art. Mm, I have my opinions about To Pimp a Butterfly. We, we've, had, we've had that discussion already. Yeah. But that would be considered... It is already considered high art, like, within that tradition. Based on what? Like, I feel like 
you're privileging, like if you incorporate aspects of the tradition into the art, then you kind of have a leg up in terms of being considered high art versus low art. No, it's the intention of the art. If if I'm sitting here and I'm rapping about a yeah, but bunch is it of good. Yeah. See, the, the, my thing with you that you just don't like the album. My thing is just because you reach back into the vault, into the crates, and you dig up and you're going for but that's a straight not, up no, jazz vibe and you've got But let, that's not that's not necessarily true. Like it's not just going back into the vault and shit. I mean, cats make sample tracks that don't mean shit. But is like is it is the music good though? I, I, I but feel- that's the, again you're talking about an album that you just personally don't like. So that's that's all this conversation is sort of boiling down to. I guess you're right, but I feel like it's it it to be butterfly immediately was in an was in another echelon simply because he had Robert Glasper playing piano and he was going for all these old vibes on his shit and it's like i feel like the conversation stopped there and now it's like because we the it's sort of what like what like to me okay what like what have you what were you sort of consuming around that what do you mean in terms of like what conversations were you engaged in around the overwhelming cultural response was this is masterpiece without like it's admirable to want to you know have fucking Winton Kelly playing piano on a rap track and it's cool but it's like if it's good it's good and if it's not good it's not good just because you have fucking Winton Kelly playing I think think you're just going on a tangent because you don't like the album (laughs) but you aren't really engaging with the fact that the album is rooted in a tradition that speaks to you know the social conditions the prevailing social conditions that's go listen to you were just listening to Cornell West talk to Joe Rogan and he made the same point like if it's if it's concerned with the human condition cats think it's good I think it's good then cats are going to consider that high art within this tradition. Like, I don't know how else you okay, want to slice okay, it. For, for, forget Tim, to Pimp a Butterfly. What about, how do you feel about the Jordan Peele movies? I don't really like them that much. High, low? Low. Low. Yeah. Okay, see, I feel like you're in the minority on that. I feel like... The, again, the overwhelming cultural response to Get Out and even Us, even though Us got more like backlash, was that it's some high, complicated art for That's you to it. decode and figure out the meaning of and shit like that. And it also was like, people also treated it like it was some deep social commentary. No, it was very surface level. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, yeah, like it, just because you just because you're attempting to make some type of social comment doesn't mean that you're going to hit the mark that I'm not just saying that anything that's concerned with so with the social conditions is is automatically high art. No. Yeah, it has to be good. It has to speak to it has to respond to some shit like that's just, you know, kind of all it is. Yeah. All right. Well, 
We've been we've been talking for like an hour. Okay, I'm sick of your ass. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't have I don't have anything else to add. I'm basically an elitist when it comes to this shit, but oh, yeah. I think is what it boils down to. You you are living in your privilege. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. What else is new? Yeah. All right. All right, not, not taking a break this coming week. No. Nah. We'll be back. Until episode 14. Yeah. And then we're going to take another fire. break. All right. Now that you mention it. Next time. Peace. Mention it. Mention it.